Monday episode. I think it's 132. I'm starting to lose track, y'all, of the HESI brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I want to start this show off with a moment of silence for Luke Walton's coaching career. All right, that's enough. That's enough. It lasted longer than I expected. But apparently the Sacramento fans can no longer stomach him any longer. You saw the homie. You saw the homie. He let it be known at midcourt. <laughs> no, nah, man, you know, I saw Bill Simmons. He tweeted this out, right? And he, in, in defense of Luke Walton, Sacramento took Bagley over Luca, spent lottery picks on three point guards, froze on trading Barnes when he had trade value, spent actual money on Tristan Thompson, and then, oh yeah, they gave away Bogdanovich for nothing. So I understand, yeah, like it starts, it starts at the head of the snake and the organization is toxic, right? The franchise is not run well, but it was clear and in part of that was Luke Walton. It started when he was the Lakers coach. The thing I think that jumped out to everyone about Luke Walton was his rotations. He just couldn't stick with one. They didn't make sense. I don't know why that's such a difficult thing, but for Luke, it was. And then I had brought up last week, like it's very clear he cannot teach defense or at least get a team to play defense. However you want to word it, that that was the thing. So apparently Alvin Gentry is going to be the intern coach for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know if that's official yet. I think for the short term, that's that's a good thing. We know he's an offensive mind and he'll probably get them scoring a lot of points. But we know he's not going to get a team to defend, right? So I was thinking in the long term, would this not be a perfect situation for our friend Mark Jackson? Less is more. Just keep it simple, right? I think that he's going to hold them accountable defensively. And he's going to establish a true pecking order, a real rotation. Not, nah, this is what it is. Fox is the guy. Oh, yeah, let me put the battery in Bagley's back, right? You know, like if you are a contending team or you're a team on the fringe of contending, let's say like you're the Bulls or something like that, there's no way you want Mark Jackson. In there. He's not going to take you to that level. We saw this with the Warriors. But if you're a bottom-feeding team, a team that's been struggling, I think that's a perfect opportunity for Mark Jackson to, I know I can't believe I'm actually saying this as I say it, but just kind of, Clean things up and simplify things. Put these young players, kind of help them find their real roles in the league and just give them confidence and stability. I don't know. It's just a thought. I know that, you know, this off the court stuff like that. But for this situation, I think it might work. And then you consider for Mark, there's not a whole lot of pressure. Who succeeded in Sacramento since Rick Adelman left? Right? So I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. But I think that was a long time coming. So LeBron is back. Friday night, they get stomped by Boston, in Boston. You saw the LeBron effect with THT. Just got done complimenting him. I like his game. I can see it. But again, I was like, yo, he kind of wants to massage the ball. Does he fit? Does he fit with their core guys when they're a, a whole? And you can see already he doesn't, right? He's more of an ISO guy. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Celtics because you saw Alpha Tatum. What do you have? 33-8-5. and five. And you notice the Lakers have kind of been chicken soup around the league for teams or players that have been struggling offensively. You go you go see the Lakers, you kind of get right. But Jalen Brown has been out and the Celtics have been winning. Alf Hortford has found the fountain of youth. Grant Williams has turned into their version of P.J. Tucker. I think there's plenty of reason 
to be optimistic if you're a Celtics fan, um, despite the slow start, right? So then the Lakers fly into Detroit yesterday for a, a matinee of 4 p.m., at least where I'm at, it was a 4 p.m. matinee. And there they are starting DeAndre again. Frank, Frank, I've defended Frank Vogel a ton because I think he is a good coach, but some of these, is he not making these decisions? I don't understand why DeAndre Jordan plays at all, right? I don't, I don't get it. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What I saw was LeBron with the get off me, right? You know, when you tangle up, you lock arms, you're, you're, you're fighting, jousting for rebounding, and you rip out of it and, 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 and throw the elbow, and it just so happened to catch Isaiah Stewart in the, in the brow. I think it was sincerely a mistake that it caught him up that high. Guys throws bows and, 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 and throw that arm back all the time in those scenarios, and it's usually to the chest or just to get off me, kind of to notify the referee, hey, I'm being held here type of action. You can say what you want about LeBron. I know that there's plenty of things to hate on him about, and we have almost a 20-year resume. He's not a dirty player. LeBron doesn't do dirty shit, I think in part because, one, he respects the game, but in two, he doesn't want it being done to him. He doesn't want cheap shots being taken at him. And so he doesn't take, I haven't seen LeBron take cheap, I've seen him flop, seen him do a lot of other shit. LeBron, that's not really in his basketball character. That being said, have you ever been popped in the face? Have you ever gotten hit in the brow or dead on in the nose and the mouth? And your head gets hot? I know my body, my body gets hot when I get literally go, oh, he's hot. He's mad. No, you literally heat up. And sometimes it's uncontrollable, specifically when you get popped in the face. And so Isaiah Stewart, you know, gathered himself and he was hot. And I could see where he thought it was intentional. But at that same time, LeBron was very apologetic. Now, here's where it gets hazy. I could see LeBron because there was a there was. 10, 15 seconds where they were kind of face to face and something could have happened. If Isaiah Stewart, for all the chest puffing and uh, everything that that was, there was a 10 or 15 second moment there where he could have put his hands on LeBron if he wanted to and he didn't. Now, did LeBron cop please and be like, my bad, my bad, I'm so sorry, da, 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 da. And then once people got between him, he was like, yeah, that's what I thought. You don't talk to the king that way. I gave you a chance. I told you it was my bad. So I don't know. I don't know. I haven't even heard the the interviews today. Both were ejected. It was a fiasco. 15 minutes. I'm sure people were traumatized. The malice in the palace was like 17 years ago Friday. But back to the game. After that happened, the Lakers had to win that game. They had to. That's That was my opinion on it. I think it would have been, you know, the Pistons were in control. That was the crazy thing in the first half. You know, the, the, the Lakers looked bad. But I think the loss to the Pistons, it, they couldn't have lost once that happened. I was like, all right, are they going to rally? You saw you saw Russ putting up his dukes. A couple of thoughts here because I saw the Pistons twice over the weekend because the Warriors played them as well. Are they ruining Sadiq Bey? I have a concern that they're ruining S- Sadiq Bey in the sense of his shot selection is crazy. I like Sadiq Bey. 3 and D, bigger wing, right? He's a pretty good passer. But they've, he has too much of a green light. His leash is too long. He's taking step back through. I just don't like his shot selection. And I think that on a bad, bad team like Detroit, this is something that can get away from him. The habits that he's creating and the shot selection that he has, can you reel him in? Can you reel him in? Because you look at Dwayne Casey and, and, and this Pistons team, and they're so bad. I think they're, they're trending towards the worst team in the league. They'll may end up being the worst team this season. And I think Dwayne Casey is looking like, I ain't going to survive this. I'm not going to survive 
how bad we are to when these young guys start to get better. And so like, what's the point? Now, the other storyline was Killian Hayes was out with a thumb or something like that. And so this was Cade's first real opportunity to be the lead guard and ball handler. And he was super aggressive. He didn't shoot well, but he was aggressive, man. And he's just, he's much more physical than pretty much all rookies I've seen defensively. And uh, Jeremy Grant got going there. This was actually before the entanglement, before the bow. And there was a play where Cade, the ball was swung to him. He showed shot, paused for a second, and then ripped it right back to Grant, who was the hot hand. He splashed another three. So there was these little plays that he's made. I've watched him defend back doors. He's able to open up, help, see the ball, recover. Just the basics. He's super fundamentally sound. But the concern I have with him is, you know, you usually hear... When you talk about young players, you say, all right, they got to learn to change pace. They're playing too fast, right? Cade is almost the opposite where sometimes he's got to speed up. Everything is a little too slow and smooth. He doesn't have a good first step. And you saw late in the game, once he, he drove to the center of the court, he kicked it to the corner and Russ never came off the guy. And so it was like an easy pick six for Russ. And then you saw late in the final possessions, AD roofed him twice. He, there's, a, there's a point where he's got he's to pop the clutch every now and then. He's got to hit the acceleration. Everything is kind of at that slow, smooth pace. And in college at Oklahoma State, he was so big he could get away with it. Not in the league, brother. There's too many big athletes. And so, yeah, I don't know about him creating his own shot, but he's just solid everywhere else, right? Friday night, James Harden shot 20 free throws. Shout out to the dude. You can look it up on NBA Reddit. He was like, oh. Y'all think he was cheap? And he, he made a montage of all the free throws. And he legit drew 20 free throws. Young Orlando Magic were responsible for it. Jalen Suggs, Wagner. Does Orlando have the youngest uh, rotation? You know, I, a combined roster, when you talk about youngest team, there's always some old head on the end of the bench that, that throws off the average. But if you want to talk about youngest players in the rotation, it's got to be Orlando and Houston, right? And they kept getting bit with that move where he he uh, rips through low and brings it up high. And they were they were hitting him on the arm. They were snake biting him on threes. And he shot 20 free throws. So it was just interesting to see Harden legitimately get to the line that much. And, and just something to monitor moving forward. I think it had more to do with Orlando than Harden, to be honest with you. But Brooklyn ends up getting that win. Out east as well, the Wizards and Heat split a two-game series over the weekend. Did it start Thursday or Friday? I don't know. But, uh, you know, there was controversy late. There was no travel call on Spencer and Didwitty as he gathered, took two steps, and swung the ball to the weak side as Miami was trying to get a stop. The gather shit is real hazy, man. Did you see Spo with maybe the greatest travel gesture I've ever seen? It was just smooth. It was fast. It was, it was South Florida. But, uh, no, man, the, the gather rule is very gray. I usually look to Coach Nick from Basketball Breakdowns. He knows all the rules, the wordings, the interpretations. And he said, no, nah, that's clean. That wasn't a travel. But they split the series. So I think that's important for Washington because I think we're all, we're all going to be skeptical of the Wizards all the way through, right? This is, it's kind of a feel-good story, but it's like, okay, it's early. They really this good, right? For them to split with the Heat, I think that that's meaningful for them in the long term. Don't look now, the Hawks have won four in a row since DeAndre Hunter went down. I told you that might solve some of their chemistry issues. It's just funny like that, right? It's funny like that. They beat the Hornets Saturday night 
Clint Capella ate him up, ate that that Hornet small ball lineup up. They they have to, I think, find someone else besides Plumley at the five because PJ Washington he's been out as their small ball five. But you saw Atlanta get right; they've won four in a row. I'll tell you one thing: I'm all the way out on Kelly Oubre. I turn on that game. The dude, have you seen his latest bleach job? Completely like bleached blonde. Like he's going. First off, he's going to ruin his hair. He bleaching the shit out of it. And I know people think I'm being silly and, and, and judgmental and stuff. Nah, man. It, <laughs> these things matter. You have to understand. And, and, and someone that does that, that look at me, bow, I need this bleach blonde hair. I don't know. I just, I just I don't think that that's a good sign for Kelly. Just relax. Play basketball, baby. Wolves climbing the standings. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies by 43 points Saturday night. And it was one of those games where Edwards hit five threes in the first quarter. They were just dumb hot, and, and Memphis could never recover. The game was over before it began. But I think that Memphis and Minnesota are going to be neck and neck with each other all season long. They're kind of comparable. Um, but let's talk about Big Val, Valanchunas here. Because no longer on Memphis, I think that that was a misstep. You look what he's doing in New Orleans. He's shooting 55% from three, and he's shooting a lot of them. It's at a higher volume for a big man. And I think that at the time, we were all like, what's up with that trade? Eh, explain the numbers and this and that. That, in hindsight, I don't know what Memphis is doing with that. And it, I guess it may be too early to say that. But Memphis has kind of come back down to earth here after their quick start. But my point about Big Valanchunas is, is someone going to go get him out of New Orleans? I know that they're so poorly run. Who knows what David Griffin's going to do? He's probably going to just hold out hope that Zion's going to come back and they're going to make a playoff push. But I think they've dug too deep a hole. And I think Valanchunas is the name, one of the bigger names you're going to hear circling around the trade rumors headed into the trade deadline this season. All right, let's talk a little Warriors here. Clay has been cleared for all activities. He's doing five-on-five practice, full contact, all that. Now they're saying they're circling the Christmas week, which was the rumor a long time ago. And... That's the difference now between, like, say, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, Clay would have been playing this week, right? He's cleared. He can do, he practiced for a week. He's good to go. Now they understand how important um, the muscle mind connection is, the conditioning, and the confidence. It's not just being healed, it's being in shape and strong and getting that strength and getting your mind confident to perform on that stage. So I think they're going to take their time and they're doing the right thing as if they have any other choice, but they want to make sure Clay looks good when he comes back. I think they're going to almost allow him to knock off the rust in this next month as much as he can. Granted, like playing in an NBA game is different. There's going to be some rust, but I think he's going to look pretty damn good out the gate just because of the amount of time he's been given here to really truly get in shape. So that's exciting. So the Warriors, two wins since the last time we spoke, the Pistons, and then last night, the Raptors. In the Pistons game, my breakdown on Patron, I proposed a few questions, a, f- a few theories. One about Jordan Poole, the other about Kavon Looney. And I triggered some people because I asked, like, yo, if Kavon hadn't played or hasn't played his entire career with like three or four Hall of Famers, would he be an NBA player? On Patron, the comments, it was almost split. It was 50-50. A lot of people think I'm being too hard on Kavon, and I'm not appreciating what he does, the small things, right? Um, but my my guy, Gunny, I think he put it best on there. 
he he helped me put it in perspective. It's it, it's just simple. They're asking Kavon to do too much. And I know he doesn't play that many minutes, but he can't be your starting center on a championship team, more or less is what it is. As a backup, he's fine. I think he hit it on the head for me with that because I know, again, he only he's, his minutes have never gone up. It's just the starting role, right, in the last year or so that magnifies it to me. But in that starting role, it's more glaring, right? And I, I do, I will say this. I do think that people do not realize some of the missed opportunities or see as many of the missed opportunities because he's out there and how much of a strain he puts on the offensive times. I know he sets really good screens and that's really his value, right? It's the fact that he'll set really good screens and he doesn't want the ball. Most bigs, if they're going to set a bunch of screens, they want to be rewarded for it. And they try to reward Looney for it. But my point would be is like, what would Derek Favors look like in that role? Or like young Nas Reed from Minnesota, or Paul Millsap, one of these like veteran bigs. I, I think, yeah, he's all right. He helps. And at this point, he has so much institutional knowledge that he is a value to the Warriors. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see him get bumped back to his, his bench role. When Wiseman comes back, hopefully Wiseman looks good enough to do so. Last night, he looked like he got a little chipped up. He was limping on that hip. So, you know, hopefully Loon's good. But I'll be curious to see when he gets back in his, his, his proper role. The other thing we were talking about, Jordan Poole, he had a big offensive night in Detroit, right? But he was jacking up shots. And it was kind of within the context of like Detroit's the worst team in the league. But, you know, it was still a good performance without, you know, Steph and Draymond and all the vets. It just seemed like Poole got hot. He he had some mishaps down the stretch, turned the ball over. And we were kind of just talking about how he, he's kind of greedy, man. He's kind of a, you know, he's kind of just a shoot first, shoot second, shoot third type of mentality. And then last night, they get back home to Chase Center, and we saw Jordan Poole play the best game he has as a pro. Obviously super efficient. He shot crazy. That always helps, right? But it was more than that, right? Because he was patient. A lot of the times what I see with Poole is he kind of has a predetermined isolation move that he wants to use. And that's when he gets in trouble. And he was waiting a beat and he was reading the floor. He was patient and he was moving the ball. There was times where he created for others. He moved it ahead early. There was a play late where he had an open three. He took a beat. He's like, oh, wait, hold on. I have a lane. And he just took the lane, kick, swing, auto porter three. So that was the best game I've seen him play as a pro. And it wasn't about the hot shooting. It was about the other things that he did. He, the defensive effort's been there all year, but it was the fact that he was seeing the floor. He was taking a beat to see the floor, and he actually created some shots for others. It's it's an interesting storyline to go with this, how dominant we've been here, because does the Tiger change his stripes, right? Because Jordan's instinct is to score, it's to play fast, it's to play risky, it's to play flashy. And we all understand he's young, but again, at the same time, that's kind of who he is. So I'm just curious to see how he develops because he's also, we've seen in his personality, the type that where if you doubt him or try to say he can't do something, he's going to immediately try to do that. He thrives off of that. So impressive performance for the Warriors last night as they continue to sit atop the league. What do we got tonight? Uh, the game that I'm going to look for here, Hornets-Wizards. Two teams that I think will make the playoffs and two teams I think with similar talent level. So I'm curious to see how they match up because potentially we could be talking about some sort of matchup with them. Maybe playing. Oh, I'm disrespecting the Wizards now, huh? Anyway, this is the Hezzy. Brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, Joe.